Hi, I'm Jan. And I'm Lynn. Welcome to the Lamplighters podcast. Lamplighters is a community that encourages women to grow in our faith through the study of God's Word. We are grateful to be on the journey with you and this year as we travel through the Psalms. So last week, we took a look at Psalm 62 and Psalm 140 and explored the refuge and rescue that God is always there to provide when we find ourselves displaced physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually. And we remember to turn to Him. That's the key part there. We have to remember to turn to Him. In our crying out, when we are in some inevitable life transition, we can find rest and refuge in God alone. Such a great promise to hold on to. So what's up in our lesson this week, Jan? Well, nothing so exciting, I'm afraid. (laughs) (laughs) It's about anxiety and fear. Uh, Lovely topics to have to cover, but very real ones for us. So before we start, Lynn, I want to ask you a question. What makes you anxious? Okay, this may sound really silly to some people, but on a very simple sort of everyday kind of level, one of the things that I get most anxious about is when I'm supposed to be somewhere and I'm running late. Mm -hmm. I mean, my heart will start pounding. My palms will start sweating because I'm just one of those people that it just, I would always rather be early than late. And, you know, I don't know what I think is going to happen if I'm late, but clearly I think something (laughs) bad is going to happen. And then, you know, on a deeper, more serious note, I would say I feel anxious when someone I love needs help. And either I can't get to them or I can't do anything to help them. I can identify with those. And I'm not generally an anxious person, but I have one that inevitably will trigger my anxiety button. Mm -hmm. Confrontation. Oh, boy. And as I say that, my palms are sweating. Yes, I get it. I get it. Any conversation that's potentially hurtful or can cause somebody, including myself, to be uncomfortable, uh, is open to misinterpretation mm-hmm. or misjudgment. It just sends my stress level through the roof. Mm-hmm. Even if it's something that needs to be confronted, right? I am horrible at that because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings and I don't want to be misunderstood. I don't want to be judged for my thoughts or my opinions. Mm-hmm. And so the thing that will set it off the fastest is when I hear that phrase, we have to talk. <laughs> It does, it does sound sort of foreboding, it's doesn't terrible. it? It's <laughs> terrible. Okay, so I want to take a page out of your book, and let's define anxiety and fear, because they're similar in some respects, but they're also different. Good. Okay. Let's start with fear, because that's the easier one. Mm-hmm. Fear is a strong biological response to imminent danger, okay? It's a core emotion. It, it comes from our lizard brain, if you want to think about it that way where all five senses are focused on a perceived threat and fear prepares you for fight or flight. Mm -hmm. It's a survival emotion and it's very, very important. Like when you come face to face with a bear or you see spiders or for me, it's snakes Mm. every time, every time. Do you have a pet fear? Um, Well, Snakes, snakes for okay. sure. Even though they're not like in our everyday life, I know. But every time you see one, it doesn't matter how small they are. It's yeah. like Ugh, your yeah. heart starts racing yeah. and all of yeah. that. Okay, anxiety is a little bit different. It's a feeling of worry or nervousness or unease, typically about an event that's coming, mm-hmm. and about which you it has an uncertain outcome. 
you don't know what's going to happen, right? Mm. So it's an emotion that is accompanied by tension and usually treadmill thoughts, you know, that keep going around and around your head and you can't get rid of them. You talked about that a little bit in lesson two. Mm -hmm. It's this nagging, gnawing sense that something bad is going to happen, Mm -hmm. which, as you pointed out, most of the time does not, Yes, right? It has physical repercussions, just like fear does, but they're more longstanding, Mm -hmm. like high blood pressure, Mm. things like that. Yeah. Okay. Now, I want to be clear. We are not talking about anxiety disorders. Yeah, that's a different Which have skyrocketed Mm -hmm. in our current situation. That's anxiety in the extreme that results sometimes in panic attacks. Mm -hmm. It's relatively common. I didn't know this, but about 30% of people in the United States will experience a panic attack at one Mm -hmm. time or another. Mm -hmm. And it usually requires professional treatment. We're talking about normal, daily, run-of-the-mill anxiety that we all experience from time to time, which is that sort of excessive, unfocused gnawing at us that's triggered by a stimulus. Mm -hmm. And here's a clue. The response generally is out of proportion to the stimulus when we're being (laughs) anxious. Okay, doesn't feel out of proportion. It doesn't, but it generally is. Um, So anxiety is a reaction to our emotions versus fear, which is a reaction to danger in the environment. And interestingly enough, I found out that anxiety is sometimes made worse because we are suppressing the very emotion that it's reacting to. Hmm. So as long as you stuff it, you're going to get more anxious. I'm good at that too. Yeah. Oh, me too. Sure. Well, thank you for clarifying those, the difference between those two, um, because they're both very common to all of us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have never thought of myself as a person with anxiety, and I still don't. But that didn't keep me from being part of that 30% mm. that you mentioned earlier um, and being rushed to the hospital because I thought I was having a heart attack when I was actually having an anxiety attack. Oh, wow. I was going through a particularly dif- difficult time in my life. And, you know, yes, I'm sure yeah. I was stepping down plenty of emotions um, that I felt. But it was years ago. I mean, I would say it was over a decade, well over two decades ago, actually, when it happened. Um, but I still remember that overwhelming fear that I felt. Um, so my heart always goes out to anyone who is suffering with more of a chronic case of anxiety mm-hmm. because it, it can be just debilitating. Because you remember that. I remember it clearly. Yeah. Um, fortunately, it seems like people are becoming more willing to talk about their fear and anxiety. It's not something that's, you know, mm-hmm. kept in hushed tones. And I think... Um, that that's a that's a good thing for all of us, and because I'm sure I don't know anyone who hasn't admitted at some point in time to having these feelings. Exactly, I think maybe that's one of the good things that came out of COVID yeah, for us. I agree, is a more willingness to be open about mm-hmm. that, and and that's exactly the point. The question before us is not how we don't experience these feelings. It's what we do with them when we experience them because we're going to. Mm -hmm. And this is where the psalmist can be helpful. Okay, Psalm 6 is an individual lament composed by David, and he is in a really bad place. Mm -hmm. We don't know the specifics. Whatever the circumstances were, they were life-threatening. Could have been an illness, probably not. 
more likely an enemy plotting against him and mm-hmm. his throne. He had those all the time all, all the around time, him. Yeah. Whatever it is, it, he's experienced this physical, emotional, psychological, spiritual crisis, and it's intensely personal. It's so bad, he can't sleep at night. Mm-hmm. Now, why? Okay, well, he's in a desperate life and death situation, right? But he also realizes that the circumstances stem, at least in part, from his own actions, Mm. his own sins. And he feels like the Lord is angry with him. That's not necessarily true, but Mm -hmm. that is how he feels. So let's just state this clearly. A desperate situation is not always evidence of God's displeasure. We have to remember that. Sometimes it's a training tool. Sometimes it's something that happens. Sometimes God's preparing us for something ahead, coming Mm -hmm. ahead, Mm -hmm. or it it can be discipline where God is trying to teach us something. Regardless of any of that, desperation can lead us to some pretty serious self-examination and repentance if we are convicted of something we have done that has added to this situation. And that was the case with David. Mm -hmm. He is repentant, clearly, but he is anguished over his actions, whatever they were. And his guilt is depressing him no Mm -hmm. end. He's afraid God will not forgive this sin and that he will be cut off from God forever. Mm. So this man after God's own heart is in agony, Mm -hmm. experiencing both anxiety and fear. Um, It's it's a penitential psalm, Mm -hmm. just like Psalm 51. Mm -hmm. And he is crying out for God's mercy. Desperate is really not too strong a word. He is afraid he will lose God, and he's pouring out his soul in this excruciatingly honest way. Oh. Um, the poet Malcolm Geit, I've been corrected on the pronunciation of his name like several <laughs> times. I think that's correct. Mal- Malcolm Geit um, expresses this feeling beautifully. He says, My fears just magnified the shadow that I cast until you were lost in the shadow, too. Oh, my gosh. That's just such a beautiful description. Because that's what we do. It it is. It just gets bigger and bigger until it just swallows everything up. We are like David. David had lost God in the darkness. Mm -hmm. And so verses 1 through 7 are all about that fear. But we see this tiny light break through in verse 8, where David reminds himself that the Lord always hears Mm -hmm. and always forgives the truly repentant heart. Mm -hmm. So verses 8 through 10, the end of the psalm, are all about faith. There's hope. David doesn't go on the journey alone. Mm -hmm. Neither do we. Uh, And so that's how he ends it. Now, the astonishing thing about this psalm to me, Lynn, is that David wrote it, and it became part of the liturgy of the Jewish people. Mm -hmm. In other words, it was public knowledge. Yeah. He poured his heart, to God, his heart out to God. His anguish was on full display for the entire community, for mm-hmm. everyone to see, and not everyone to see, but to hear and to sing in worship, even down to this day. We all see this. Now, that is transparency and humility and courage, because I got to thinking, would I want part of my journal cries to be published for oh. the entire church to sing about on Sunday? Uh, no. Not likely. No, no. Not likely at all. Well, Jan, three things stand out to me about this. First, if David, the king, and God's choice for his son, Jesus Christ's royal lineage, Mm -hmm. 
can have this kind of fear and anxiety, it's proof to me that no one is spared. It's that reminder that following God doesn't guarantee us a carefree life. Exactly. Not even Jesus was exempt. Right. I mean, his cry on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, tells us that fear of being abandoned by God is very, very real. And if, if he experienced it, we certainly will. Absolutely. And the second thing is that when we find ourselves in a desperate situation, we need to do a little check and to see if we are in that place because we have placed ourselves there, um, not willingly, unwillingly, however it is there. And if the answer is yes, then we have to confess that transgression. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just go, you know, that's just the only way out, right, is yep. to confess it and, and turn around. And then finally, that there is no shame in fear and anxiety. So don't try and hide it. Um, when we show our, our true selves and cry out to God, it helps us to erase that shame and give him and others the opportunity to lift us up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you're hiding these feelings, they just grow bigger. It's that shadow that grows bigger and bigger. Um, our shame grows in the dark. Exactly. So bring it out into the light, into the light of Christ and, you know, your friends and whoever else, and it will get smaller. Yes, it absolutely does. You know, we tend to judge emotions. Yeah. Emotions are emotions, and we can't judge them. And just trying to hide them makes them worse, as Mm -hmm. you said. Um, I had a really hard time immersing myself in this psalm because I identify with David. And Psalm 6 is so intensely personal that it was really painful for me to read and to peer so deeply into David's soul because it's too intimate, because Mm. it invites me to peer so deeply into my own soul Mm -hmm. uh, and to be as ruthlessly honest and vulnerable. Okay, so with sweaty palms, (laughs) I am going out on a limb here. Remember when I said I didn't want those journal entries to be posted? That's right. Are you sharing one with us? I am going to share one with you. Right. Uh, If we encourage honesty and transparency and vulnerability in our Uh friends, then we have to be willing to do that. And so I'm going to bear my chest and lay myself out here. Um, as much as I don't want to admit any of it, I would rather keep it between me and God in my journal. Uh, okay. Part of the problem is because when you're self-disclosing, you're no longer in control. Yep. That's right? right. And that's kind of scary for some of us. So I want to give you an example of how I played a part in creating a desperate situation for myself. Mm-hmm. And this has been a while back. And it, it sounds silly, but I lost months of sleep over it. Mm. And I was in such pain, wrestling with God over the whole thing. Okay, several years ago, the Lord started stripping my traditions from me. Mm. Those regular celebratory events that had given me structure and my family structure that had rooted me in very meaningful ways that I had participated in with my grandparents and my parents and my children and my grandchildren. Mm -hmm. Now, traditions are good things. Mm -hmm. They can shape and form us. They give us a sense of identity, a sense of security. They give us roots to grow from. Uh, And I had a very strong heritage with my, particularly with my mother's family. Mm -hmm. Those things were important to me. And I could not figure out why I was losing every one of them. And not not gently. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were being ripped out of my hands. It Mm -hmm. was very painful. Um, there wasn't anything I could do about it. I was afraid 
I was anxious. I felt like I was losing everything. I felt like God was punishing me in some way. Mm-hmm. And the whole process was intensely painful because the, the entire calendar was touched from mm-hmm. January to December 31st. Yeah. Nothing was left untouched. Mm-hmm. It just made me very anxious. I cried. I lost sleep. I couldn't eat, which was a good thing. Um, <laughs> I prayed. I begged God to show me what he was doing. Do you need to be careful what you pray? Yeah. Because he did. Okay. All right. The Holy Spirit convicted me that I had a part in creating this situation Hmm. and showed me why God was using such painful methods to correct me. Because I had placed my children and my heritage above God. Mm. I can't say that I loved them more than I loved God. But I certainly put them before God. They became idols Mm -hmm. to me, modern Mm -hmm. idols to me. And when the Holy Spirit convicted me of that, my heart broke. And the pain of loss of all those things turned into the pain of acknowledging that I had set God on the shelf. And grateful that He wasn't content to stay there. Mm -hmm. And He wasn't going to let me get away with that behavior. But it was a painful, painful lesson. Mm -hmm. Now, I am not saying everybody does that. Right. And I'm not saying those celebrations in our kids and grandkids are not important because they are. Mm -hmm. They are good gifts from the Lord. And we are to love them and cherish them and nourish them, Mm -hmm. but not more than we love God. He has to be first. And my priorities had gotten out of alignment, and I didn't even recognize what I had done because it was so subtle. Yeah, But having a chokehold on my family traditions was my way of trying to be in control (laughs) and uh, give meaning to myself. Mm -hmm. And God took those things from me one by one so that I would return to Him and take my meaning from Him. Yeah, That was the important lesson. Now, I am somewhat embarrassed now to say all this because it seems so stupid, but repentance has never felt so sweet. Mm -hmm. Because in losing those traditions, I gained Him. Mm. And typical of God, now we go through celebrations and holidays without fear and anxiety, and they are far, far better than they ever used to be. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Jan. Um, That is a painful lesson, and I know that it didn't come quickly or easily. And it's such a good reminder to us to pay attention to what or who we give most of our attention to. Good things, no doubt, Mm -hmm. but even the best things can become a wedge between us and our relationship with God. You know, the brutal honesty that we will find in all of the Psalms this year will likely bring many of us face-to-face with aspects of ourselves and our lives that we would rather not acknowledge. You know, but hopefully seeing ourselves in these Psalms will remind us all that bringing our faults and insecurities, our fears and anxieties to the Lord is our first and best step to finding peace in Him. Now, that may feel really scary to many of our listeners, especially if you haven't done it before. So I, want, I just want to encourage all of you to hang in there because it's the very difficulties that we are learning about in these lessons that will in fact, bring us closer and deepen our relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And there is such comfort and community. We all know that. You know, these Psalms link us to the bigger community of God's children, 
both past and present, and repeatedly show us that he is with all of us in our time of need, no matter when or what that need is. Exactly. The Psalms are a mirror. Yeah. If we are peering deeply into them, they will reveal us to ourselves and then point us to the one who loves and cares for us. They will transform us. And isn't that the point? That is the point. To have and a that's the hope, deeper, yeah. absolutely, deeper, more genuine relationship with the Lord. Now, I'll go so far as to say, if we read the Psalms and don't squirm at some point, we're not really reading the Psalms. That's right. Okay, speaking of Psalms, let's turn our attention to the next one, Psalm 46. Okay. It was written by one of the sons of Korah. You'll remember that's one of the three families that led worship in the temple. And it's a celebration song focusing on the fact that the people of God are secure, even in times of trouble and tumult. Um, The historical context is probably God's deliverance of Jerusalem from the Assyrians Mm -hmm. during the time of King Hezekiah, who, interestingly enough, was himself a poet Mm -hmm. and may have collaborated on the composing of this poem. You can read about him in 2 Kings 18 through 19. More of us may know it as the basis for Martin Luther's hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Oh, yeah. This is familiar. So just as in Psalm 6, Psalm 46 is clear that real threats exist, that fear and anxiety are appropriate emotions under some circumstances, and that our first response to those emotions should be to pour them out before the Lord and to trust Him for the outcome. You know what? I want to interrupt myself here for one moment. Lynn, have you ever noticed how many times you and I say, pour our hearts out to God? Yes. We say it every week. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, pouring out is the language of sacrifice and offering in the Old Testament. And when it dawned on me, when I just said that, Uh that when we give our hearts to God like that, it is a sacrifice and an offering to Him that is a fragrant aroma that He accepts. So I thought we should find a different phrase, but I've decided we're going to keep that one. let's stick with that. Okay, wait a minute. What does the psalmist have to do with any of this? (laughs) Okay. Um, The psalmist teaches us to pour out our emotions and then to trust God for the outcome. Mm -hmm. So the clue, one clue, is look at the number of times God or pronouns for God are mentioned in this psalm. If I counted correctly, it's 20 times in 11 verses. Wow. That's a lot. That is a lot. All the action verbs are His. All the names are His. All the assurances come from Him. Mm -hmm. Even the rhythm of this song points to God who's in control. He starts out as our refuge and strength. Then chaos comes and causes fear because nature just convulses. Mm -hmm. And then God is with His people in the city of Zion, so He's always with His people. And then chaos again of Mm -hmm. these kingdoms that are crumbling and these nations that are falling. And finally, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So it's God, first, last, and in the middle. Yeah. I love that. And what is our only job in this psalm? What is it? It's to fear not, Mm. to come and see what the Lord has done. That's not hard. No. And to be still and know that He is God. Which is one of the harder things for me to do. (laughs) It is. Well, I mean, I just, this is going to happen all year long. And I just love that it does because we just need this reinforcement. But this reminds me a lot of our lesson last week of God being our refuge. You know, it's such an important thread to recognize in times of trouble. You know, again, we see that focusing on God and His character and honesty, honestly pouring 
our hearts out to him gives us a different perspective mm-hmm. on our circumstances, you know, as fearful and anxiety producing as they may be in that moment, God is always with us. You know, we are never alone. Well, Psalm 46 is very personal to me for that reason. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Uh, much like Psalm 6, but for different reasons. It contains one of my life verses. We mentioned it. Verse 10, be still and know that I am God, which is not the easiest thing for me. Mm-hmm. But it also happened to appear at two very critical times in my faith journey. One was on a Tuesday morning when I was on my way to town to a leaders meeting, and I turned on the radio and heard that something had happened in New York City. It was September 11th, 2001. So as the leaders came together, we immediately began to pray. And I opened the Bible for a psalm. Mm -hmm to lead off that prayer time that I had picked three nights before. Mm. And guess what? It was Psalm 46. So in a time of national chaos and fear and pain and confusion, we were pointed to the one who is sovereign over all. The second time was just this past March, Mm -hmm. 2022, when Russia invaded the Ukraine. Nope, excuse me, I'm correcting myself. Russia invaded Ukraine, Ukraine yes. and bombs were raining down on Kiev. The chief rabbi of Ukraine asked for the world to pray this psalm for mm-hmm. them. So go back and read Psalm 46 with these two world events in mind. Yeah, This psalm shrieks of God's sovereignty. We do not have to be anxious or afraid. Mm-hmm. We can focus our attention not on the fear, but on the Father. And that's what I love about this psalm. Absolutely. You know, as we said from the beginning today, none of us is immune to fear and anxiety. And these two psalms show the humanity of those feelings and can also help us to see the way out when we feel stuck in the middle. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we're always going to feel stuck in the middle um, emotionally, if nothing else. Um, so do you have any questions or a thought that you want to leave our listeners with today? It's really a challenge. Okay. And that I want people to identify with and spend some time with maybe befriending their deepest fears. Yeah. Because we all have personal 9-11s. We all have personal invasions. So I want people to ponder their deepest fear. That's a dark place people don't like to go there. Right. But I think it's really necessary in order to deal with them and to be able to let that go and turn to mm-hmm. God. And then mm-hmm. after they've identified that and pondered it a while, I ask that they pray Psalm 46 over those specific fears in faith. You can seek God's goodness and refuge in the midst of those fears. And I think that's a lesson we all need to learn. And what I love about that, Jan, is that in going back and reflecting on that, it sort of is that thing that gives us the practice so that the next time when we're actually in that, we can call on that past memory and we can go back and just immerse ourselves in that and hopefully remember, you know, that we can look at this we develop any number of psalms, truly. We can look at any number of psalms, yeah. but this is a really good one to look we at. We develop uh, memory muscle. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Well, until next time. <laughs>